This whole country's just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. It sounds stupid to say this, but yeah, these are people you know, you're friends with, you know, you're, you know, you're in the, you know, you're connect, you're like pen pals with. It was connecting on such a superficial level. It was almost as if, you know, playing, you know, had a, a, playing a video game, you know, you know, people would reach out to me and we'd start just chatting and then, you know, sending emails back and forth or Facebook, whatever, or something that goes in a different direction. Someone says, you're amazing, and sends me a naked picture, and I respond to it. I had a blind spot about it, and that blind spot was a pretty big one. Hello, and welcome to Decades Podcast. This is a podcast where we watch... A movie from a previous decade. This uh, episode is 1960. Yay! Uh, yeah, we, just, we finally got to the 60s. And then we watch a more modern movie on the same theme. And we talk about it. It's still black and white, though. Yeah, it was black and white. <laughs> Almost the color. My name is Deb Kuykendall. I'm Nicole Westry. I'm Jacob Kuykendall. And what did we watch this week? This month, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this is a monthly podcast. This week, in this month, we watched uh, a film from the 1960s. Primary, Primary mm-hmm. uh, about Hubert Humphrey and John F. Kennedy. And we watched a movie from 2016 called Wiener, <laughs> about Anthony Wiener. Running for mayor of New York. Yes. He did not win. No. Spoiler alert. <laughs> then some other stuff happened we'll get to. Yeah. So we normally talk about the first movie. These, these are our first documentaries at all uh, in this uh, podcast. We have never watched documentaries before. It'd be hard to do a horror documentary. And that's true. Well, I don't know. Which, what I the... mean, Wiener was kind of a horror documentary. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was psychological horror. Um, yeah, so normally we do the, the older movie first, and then we do the newer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't... The synopsis is these two guys... In these two movies, uh, people are running for office. That is more <laughs> applicable to primary than it is for Wiener, where other stuff happens in Wiener that kind of derail things. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, since we can't really talk about, I mean, we could talk about, we can talk about various scenes in the older movie. Yeah. It uh, doesn't yeah, have a there's story. There's not really a plot. Yeah. Yeah. The plot is there's two guys, they're out on the campaign trail and they campaign in various ways, dim, dissimilar ways. If the movie is to be, you know, accepted mm-hmm. whole cloth, um, for example, Hubert Humphrey goes, they're campaigning in Wisconsin specifically. It's for the Wisconsin primary. And we, uh, at one point, John F. Kennedy says that the reason to campaign in Wisconsin is because citizens actually get to vote in the primaries. And it sounded like later in the movie that they actually have that problem of Republicans voting for a Democratic candidate yeah. to try to swing right. uh, the results. And I believe they were voting for Humphrey, mm-hmm. not Kennedy, although... Ultimately, Kennedy won the num- won the primary. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm looking at something on my phone, so I'll have it for later. <laughs> so this movie is uh, is a groundbreaking movie, actually. Um, Robert Drew, who uh, I I think he directed this, 
there are various documentary filmmakers who participated in the making of this movie who are basically considered the the uh, foundation of direct cinema in America. What's direct cinema? I don't know that. So term. there there's cinema verite and there's direct cinema and um there's a scene in Wiener where he says something about the fly on the wall. Oh, I love that scene. Um so in direct cinema you would not have the this the filmmaker does not speak to the subject. They are simply mm. supposed to be mm. filming what is happening, which they did. Yes. There was some narration uh that was added later a little bit. Yeah, hardly. I mean, barely. <laughs> right. I think there were like two or three. Sorry about that. There's There were like two or three instances of mm-hmm. a narrator speaking, but most of it was just following them around and just filming what happened. Oftentimes from weird angles and with <laughs> intense close-ups mm-hmm. of yeah. people in the audience or uh, the candidates themselves. Or at one, at one point, JFK's hands while he was speaking. Yeah. I mean, they even did that for one of the guys at the Hubert Humphrey rally. They just really focused on his wedding ring oh, yeah, for an extended that. period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of this makes me think maybe this is them learning the, the ins and outs of this. Because there's, there's that scene where John F. Kennedy kind of walks out on stage, like it's following him to give a speech, and then he finally gets on stage and you see the audience. And that seems very modern Mm -hmm. that's something out of wiener but there are also scenes that are just like a guy asleep in the crowd (laughs) which is like yeah they don't do that very often anymore right and i i think you're right because these men robert drew some would consider him the father of direct cinema but Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's if that's completely true because there were very a lot of the other people that worked on this film also became very well-known documentarians Mm, okay um and, and did, you know, documentaries you might be familiar with, like Down from the Mountain. Are you familiar with that, that one? That name's mm-hmm. familiar. It's related to Oh Brother, We're Out Now. It's, it's um. kind of about the music. <laughs> yeah. So one of the people who worked on this film also worked on that documentary later. Okay. And there there were some other famous uh, direct cinema documentaries from the 60s, like um, uh, the one that I watched. <laughs> now I can't remember the name of it. But it basically follows George Wallace and the Kennedy brothers during a time when George Wallace is saying he's not going to allow African-Americans to attend the university of North Carolina, I think. Um, But you know, it's right after they, it's not right after it's like 10 years after the board versus the Brown Brown versus the board of education. education. (laughs) Um, When Kennedy has committed to making integration happen. Right. And this is like the first thing that's going to, you know the first time that there's this conflict and controversy and they're following both george wallace in his home mm-hmm. and the kennedys as they have strategy talks because robert f kennedy was the attorney general and they're strategizing you know you know what are we going to do if he stands in the doorway are we going to call the national guard are we going to push him out of the way are we going to <laughs> you know and right so, and so you get to see the president of the united states talking to the attorney general and various other strategists about how they're going to handle this situation. So that mm-hmm. was the other documentary, probably a little more engaging than the one that we just watched. Yeah. Probably <laughs> wouldn't um, take much. But it was a you know it was a few years later. So I I think you're right that they were developing this. Um, yeah, there there this... are brief flashes of modern documentaries in this. But it was very intentional. Robert Drew knew kind of really knew what it was he wanted to do and mm-hmm. he was just trying to figure out how to do it, how right. to accomplish it. So he had spent a lot of time working for Time Life. Not as a photographer, but more as a, um, 
like the guy in charge of a story. Yeah. Uh, working with a photographer. He did a lot of things for Life Magazine. And I think you can see that in the cinematography mm. of this movie. Uh, the other thing, these these men who worked on this direct cinema uh, style, they had to invent uh, equipment. Mm, okay. Because there was, the reason that you didn't see this before, this is like the first time you're seeing this kind of handheld camera following somebody <laughs> around is because the cameras were too big. They couldn't do that. Oh. And the sound equipment also was huge. And it wasn't synchronized. No, he definitely noticed that in the yeah. film. <laughs> so they had to develop smaller sound equipment, sound equipment that could travel separate from the camera and still be somewhat synchronized mm -hmm. in sound. He also philosophically wanted to get away from the kind of documentary that manipulates what's going on. Mm -hmm. So up to this point, the kind of documentary that you would see would be Nanook of the North, some of which was staged, right? Right, And it was all narration and some Foley work to do the sound effects because they couldn't really record sound very easily. They wanted to tell a story, but it was more manipulated. It wasn't necessarily the true thing that happened. And so what he wanted to do was take what they did in magazines mm -hmm. and translate that into film. And one of the stories, I, I was reading a book um, about him, basically, mm -hmm. He has a fascinating life. Um, he actually was shot down during World War II and spent hmm. three and a half months behind enemy lines just keeping out of the just way. Just hanging out? And eventually got back to uh, Whoa. the other side. He was never taken prisoner. Um, and he was—he loved to fly airplanes. Hmm. And they had just started developing jet planes at that point. He got into a jet, uh, jet plane uh, training program at that point. That's cool. Um and then after, and he was a very young man. He he went into the World War II at eighteen, Dang, became okay. a jet fighter. Yeah, and then went on to work for Life Magazine uh, because he had written some articles for like a newsletter for the for the army, mm -hmm. and they asked him to write an article for Life Magazine about these new jets and what it was like to fly them. And then someone, and he decided he wanted to be a writer. He thought a uh, fiction writer. And he was uh, he was set to go back to school, like to save, spend all his savings and go back to school. And somebody who worked at Life said, "Well, why don't you just? I mean, you wrote this article, and I can see what you could do. Why don't you just <laughs> yeah. come work for Life?" And so he did that. And then he had some big success in Chicago, mm -hmm. um, setting up a new, I don't know what they call it, whatever group doing stories out of Detroit, and was extremely successful there. And then he started to. He wanted to uh, somehow translate magazine, the way that they did magazine articles, into documentary filmmaking. Hmm, okay. This, so, and did either of you watch on Showtime uh, The Circus, I think it was called? Mm -mm. But I watched like, a few episodes of it. Showtime did a documentary series uh, at the end of 2016 that was following the primary candidates for the Republican and Democratic parties and then followed them through the election. Um, and I'd only watched the first, the first few episodes, but it reminded me very much of this movie. Um, particularly they're watching Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And there were a lot of, a lot of similar scenes of like they're riding in the backseat of a car filming Bernie or Hillary to a rally or, but the thing that they would do in that movie that I they don't do here, which I thought was interesting, which is maybe the the difference between practice, is that they would then cut away to Bernie or Hillary being interviewed, 
right? That's the same thing they do in Wiener, where then, you know, they drive with him and he's saying some stuff and then they'll cut to him being like, and this is what I was feeling at this time. Mm. Here's what's going on. And they don't do that in primary at all. They don't have any sort of one-on-one stuff. Right. But I think that's because this is a, it is a format in development. So basically you're, he's, he's trying to be true to this format of, I, I don't manipulate yeah, what's right. happening. I just film what's happening and then cut it together to make an interesting story. I think that like watching this and thinking back to watching the circus, you can see which elements have survived and which have not, which, which got kind of polished out. Cause there are a lot of the scenes in primary that are like, Oh yeah, they still do this. This is still documentary style for a primary and some of it that is not. Yeah, and I don't know if this was intentional, if this was the bias, you know, unconscious or conscious bias on the part of the filmmakers, but you watch John F. Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey, and Hubert Humphrey is just really not engaging no. at all. Yeah. Uh, it took him an entire speech. He gives a speech to a bunch of farmers out right. in a rural area, and they just sit there. And listen. Listen with frowns on their faces until like the last couple of statements that mm-hmm. he makes. And then they... They're like, woo, okay. They, yeah. So when they get up and leave, they're excited. But most of the time they were just sitting there and they looked kind of bored. Yeah. JFK comes out and gives a very short speech and to a huge crowd. Well, first they all sing. And That's then true. he gives a speech. Like he <laughs> gets a it was, it was more like a rally than, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to persuade anyone. Yeah, that's right. Which probably is a good idea. <laughs> probably <laughs> works better. Yeah. Primary. So that's primary. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I found it boring for the most part. It's also found it extremely hard to tell what anyone was saying. Yeah, it was very mumbly. Mumbly and the sound quality is bad and they, some of them so have even accents, the, strong accents. Even the movie that I watched, uh, I wish, oh, it's Crisis colon A President's Commitment or something like that. <laughs> a is terrible title. Movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> even though, I mean, it's a super exciting, well-known historical event. Mm-hmm. That I didn't even know was caught on a documentary, by the way. Yeah. Um, I knew that it happened. I just didn't know that there were cameras filming the whole thing, which was probably <laughs> the first time for that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Because the event is extremely historical. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still a little bit boring because it is just, even though, you know, you can see that George Wallace is aware of the camera, unlike in primary where they just basically seem to ignore the camera. Mm-hmm. Right. In a crisis, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> George Wallace is definitely, I think it may even have influenced his behavior, the fact that he was on camera. Because I think if he wasn't on camera and he was, he had been able to just do what he normally would have done under those circumstances, right. he probably would have been a little more aggressive. But it would have been real was, nasty. Yes. Instead, he was civil and eventually just walked away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting watching the president and his advisors and his brother speak to each other, which was all very casual and conversational. Um, and I don't know. I, I just imagine that's not what's going on in the white house right now. <laughs> it doesn't from, from what is leaked out. No, <laughs> not for the most part. No, but even so, even I think with our with the, uh, with our, what's the word? Our, I don't know the, what the, the context we feel to... about the way that we feel and understand things now. Sure. Perspective. Perspective. I have no idea where you're going with this. I, but I you're, I'm, I'm with you so far. I just can't think of the word. There's a specific word for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way that our sensibilities is the word I'm looking mm, for. Sure. So with our sensibilities, watching these old movies that 
are you very know, chill, kind of like the seed of what we see now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to stay engaged with them. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, let's be real, there's not a lot of drama in primary. No, well, I think they tried to make it <laughs> a little more horse race than it was. I don't know, because there's comments from people who saw it at the time, and they were super excited about it because hmm. it was like they had actually seen Kennedy. It was, you know, otherwise, you know, they didn't have the same kind of yeah, we don't have access to... access to seeing these people. Well, and like... also, I think... Or tweets. But campaigns <laughs> also didn't last two years back then. Right. They were really a short period of time. So I guess getting an insight into, you know, the experience of them would probably be a little more exciting than well, it I, is now. I actually, I agree with that. I guess the difference is, and for a lot of reasons, um, modern a modern documentary about a candidate, they would be angry or passionate or whatever and neither of the candidates are probably because why would they be right i mean part of the reason when we get to wiener the start of this when he's like doing his thing is because he's uh aggressive and shouting at people who are he's disagrees with and it's like oh wow he's getting all these views it's Mm -hmm. got some real passion behind it um which is which is a change between the two between jfk and hubert humphrey jfk was definitely the more passionate Oh, yeah. And skilled speaker. Well, 100%, right? But even still in primary, they're both pretty sedate through it. I mean, they're men from the 50s. Right. Nobody's shouting. Nobody's getting passionate about anything. They never, neither of them seem all that upset by anything. Well, the other thing is they don't have to because they're just speaking to... To farmers. Well, they're just... Both of them are, well, a little bit less JFK, but one of the things that we mentioned while we were watching it is that Hubert Humphrey went and, what we see in the movie is Hubert Humphrey speaking to a room full of white male farmers. Sure. Middle-aged, mostly. Uh, I think there's some women serving coffee, perhaps. (laughs) And then you go to the JFK rally, and the whole front of that rally is all women. Yep. They love him. He's a rock star. Yeah, he's a rock star. I mean, I just know him from Mad Men, and the women love him. (laughs) Peggy loves him. And they should, because he was more progressive. Probably had a lot more to offer to women than Hubert Humphrey did. Wouldn't take much. The conversation that they have with the voters, well, I guess conversation is the right word, but the messaging is Mm -hmm. remarkably consistent um, to what it is now. It was a lot of, um, you know, you don't want to vote for that guy because he's an east coast city doesn't understand us farmers i'm from here uh you know the the new york times says that i'm for the farmers and yes i am i wear it as a badge of honor so that was hubert humphrey's speech to the farmers he names all of the fake news (laughs) he (laughs) mentioned the new york times the boston globe the washington post i think there might have been another one Mm -hmm. as being you know yes (laughs) gross (laughs) So yeah, there's yeah. still that us versus them Although, out of touch. That's more of a. I mean, nowadays, I don't. You think you have Democrats saying to each other, "This other Democrat is an elitist from the East Coast." That's more of a Republican Democrat yes. argument. Mm. But there's definitely still some. Um, I don't know if I'd their, say their, that. their values versus our values that sort of. I mean, I think a lot of that was in the current Democratic primary. I think there was a lot of Bernie's for the. You know, uh-huh. little guy, and yeah. Clinton is for the establishment, and you know it was same, yeah. same undertones. I yeah. would say, yeah, I 
follow on Twitter a lot of Democratic Socialist types, and they have some very heated things to say about Cory Brooker and Kamala Harris uh, for exactly the same reasons <laughs> on exactly the same points or similar ones. That's still going around today. Yeah, that's unfortunate because that's basically pitting people of the same class against each other for yes for where they live <laughs> but yeah that's why it's successful yeah. right i mean i would guess it's it's not the farmers versus the elites it's the elites versus the young people is honestly <laughs> the, the divide now there's no farmers don't don't weigh in on it on any point yeah but if you if you tell people that they're the real you know america and that everyone else is out of touch then yeah. it resonates with them whether it actually describes who they are or not <laughs> right i still see plenty of that it's just a, it's it's changed a little bit a little but, but the, it's still the same same yeah, thing and it's still coming down from the top right it's still the establishment trying to manipulate us into agreeing that some people some are, bad somebody's some against us and it's yeah. always somebody so far away we don't actually know who that person is and it's they always have just no for face. them right <laughs> right yep that is that's right I mean, even in Wiener, you know, Anthony Wiener makes the same, like, they want you to do this and they don't, you know, yeah. want you to vote for me. It's just this nebulous sort of, we're together and there's the other guys. Yeah, and they're bad, mm -hmm. just to be clear. <laughs> yep. So uh, one, of their, one of Kennedy's big challenges was that he was a Catholic and people had very strong feelings about Catholicism. I don't know if they still do... I think they it's do some on people specific, do. like, actual topics. Well, but let's not talk about like... Scott Pruitt. And we can... <laughs> yeah, but not like, yeah. not, I don't think the idea of Catholics as a just no. overall concept is as polarizing. I think if you get into specific Catholic issues, there are still some strong feelings. So I was almost tempted. So I got a Life magazine, which is uh, covers the Democratic uh, National Convention that happened, you know, where Kennedy was nominated. An old yeah, it's 1960, July of 1960, I think. So mm -hmm. I don't know when, when this Wisconsin primary occurred, because um, that would have been before the Democratic yeah. National Convention. Anyway, there's a letter to the editor at the beginning of that, uh, specifically saying, from a from a from an American citizen saying exactly why they don't want a Catholic president because of his divided They'll do what allegiance. the Pope says. <laughs> Yes, because of that. I know how this works. The Pope will tell him what to do and he'll have to do it. Yeah, just like Obama and that Sharia law. Uh-huh. That's right. And Trump and I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Trump knows? and whatever Trump has in the back of his mind. You know, whoever were, yeah, whoever's there. I think it's his the ghost of his dead father. Yeah, I probably. Think. It's Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so do we want to talk a little bit about the Wiener movie? Yeah, Wiener, Wiener. It was really good. Yes, yeah. it was. It was a very good movie. I made, I'm going to reach around and get my notes because the thing. I've seen it twice now. This is the second time. It was great both times. It's a little hard to watch now, knowing the fallout from the events of this. Uh, the thing, which we'll get all into. the things that I made notes about were mostly visual effects, I think. Okay. Yeah, so what like, do you got? A, and it reminds. You want me to run through the movie real quick? Sure. I can do it pretty pretty briefly. Let me this, put my notebook down. This is a docu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's putting it down. Uh, and scooting forward. <laughs> <laughs> this is a documentary following following Anthony Weiner's uh, second <laughs> run for what, mayor mayor of New York. Mayor of New York. So the movie opens. Basically, with he had run also for mayor. Was that the previous campaign? No, like, no, he was a congressman. He Congress was a senator, person. wasn't he? Senator? No, he was a representative. Oh, right. Repre so he 
Oh yeah, because he was in. He was he making was speeches <laughs> on the floor of Congress. Uh, he was a representative for New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of buzz for being a very progressive candidate and being very passionate and yelling at people. Uh, he's very charismatic. Uh, then it had come out. This is all covered in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Uh, it had come out that he was embroiled in a sexting scandal. He'd been sending uh, racy pictures and text messages to young women. Um, that that came out because he accidentally tweeted, tweeted the photo. out a photo of his <laughs> underwear. Underwear. Oh, you're right. That was the first. Covering yeah. his erect penis. Yes. So then he gets in a lot of trouble. <laughs> he Well, first he lies about it. Yeah, first he lies about it and says, I don't know who that could be anyone. Uh, I don't know if the photos have been altered. Then it turns out for sure it's him. He gets in trouble. Does he resign? He He eventually resigns. He resigns. Now, I think two years pass, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. He's going to run. He's running for mayor of New York under a, hey, I've learned my lesson. I was a bad guy. And if you don't like me, that's fine. But I have a lot of good ideas and I'm running out of progressive... Uh, platform, which he is. Uh, and the movie, the documentary follows him on his rise to try and recover himself. It also follows his wife, Huma Abedin, uh, who has since, be- who has also been in the news a lot. Um, so he's doing well. He's campaigning hard. He's doing great. And then, uh oh, some more people have some sets and text messages and photos of him or about him. And again, he's saying, well, I don't know. These are probably old ones that were not uncovered previously. Which they were. I think they were. they were. But they were after he resigned. Yeah, they were after he had sort of said, like, I've learned my lesson and I'm I'm resigning. So some of these had happened afterwards. So then. And one one specifically with this bartender. Was that what her professional was? Yeah, they had mentioned she was a bartender. pornographic actress. Sydney Leathers, who becomes, who also starts popping up on stuff yeah she's very vocal and really really loves the media attention and yes. sort of milks it for all it's worth suddenly his campaign is in a nosedive uh his wife is very upset with him and does not want to be part of this campaign anymore and was a little shaky in the first place and this it goes into a nosedive like eight weeks before yeah the, the election so he does not have any time to recover <laughs> and up until this point he is leading he has yep. got a yeah. very passionate following the new yorkers um have made it clear that they don't care about the right. past that they support his you know platform and they wish the media would stop asking him about these things and then there's this shift this very noticeable shift where suddenly yeah. the constituents feel like now they've been personally lied to and the trust is a big problem he's apologized and also, made amends, I, I misspoke. But... It's not the election. It's the primary for the Democratic campaign. Right. Right. It's another primary. Uh, suddenly his campaign's in a nosedive. He's doing whatever he can to get out of it, but it just gets keep, keeps getting worse and worse. And his wife is not interested in campaigning with him anymore. Uh, and we watch the horrible flame out of his campaign. And then... And their marriage. He, yeah, and their marriage. And then he loses. This yeah. is the primary. I mean, he's, he yeah, drops to the fifth place. Oh, he gets it, like, crushed. He got like 4% of the vote. And and he really wants to try and claw back, but it's not going to happen. The end. <laughs> the end, as far as the movie's concerned. <laughs> if only. Uh, but it is a 
I'm just going to spoil. It's a great documentary. It's very uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. he has obviously let in this documentary crew for full access to follow his rise to becoming the mayor of New York, of his comeback. And you get to watch all the horrible and awkward conversations he has as this just unravels his entire life, basically. Um, But that's that's the story. It's really interesting because... You know, as, as it shows in the beginning of the movie, one of the reasons he rose to such national prominence was because of how passionately he had um, argued in front of Congress for the 9-11 first responders bills to yeah. pay for their medical coverage and sort of just was shaming um, the Republicans in Congress for holding it up because they didn't want like a, a raise in taxes or something. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to prevent taxes. So from they were just going to, they attached it together and we're going to vote down this bill and it was it was it's a great speech it's on oh, yeah. youtube and i think it was the first time i had mm-hmm. any idea who he was i remember distinctly um that being like wildfire on youtube everywhere and his passion and like candor on these issues is one of the things that sort of brought him into prominence and then you see for the rest of the movie how that uh quick passionate response to everything <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of becomes his downfall yeah. and he sort of isn't as um calculating isn't the word but uh you know controlled strategic. yeah he's not very strategic in his interactions with people particularly when he's being filmed although yeah none of that I, that didn't that didn't give him less appeal for me as a viewer no but i think that it when you're spiraling it's not helping <laughs> your damage control it's yeah i don't it's, know if it's there's just, any damage it's fueling control the like can media really fire. Do. you know it's don't give them one more clip to run yeah. yeah on on your instability i think what's i don't know i, I, don't I know think if, by... a, if you want to put what he did on a scale at, at of the things that we know that men in power do <laughs> yeah i've got some thoughts on that as well <laughs> um he there's some there's a point in the movie where he reads something and i i don't know what it is he's reading but it basically is saying it's basically a list of all the things that what he did was not oh right? yeah no it's an article that was written about him that sort of says like He's a scumbag, but let's be clear about why he's a scumbag. You know, he's he's never met these women. He never had any physical mm-hmm. contact with them. He's, you know, none of them are at that point underage. Mm-hmm. You know, none of them were somebody who worked for him that he had a position of power over. Like, there's a long list of, in the grand scheme of scummy things that politicians do, yeah. at least it was none of these things. Right. Let's not make it into one of those things. Right. So it was it was a hit piece, but also respectable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say, even through all of this. To me, he comes across as probably a very good politician with some personal issues, some good views, but also maybe a sociopath, like like really severe issues relating to women and sexual yeah, conduct. It's, it's the one thing you don't get. You you see what the facts are of that of what he did, but you don't get any insight into that part of why he does what he does. I think uh, my my favorite part of the movie, and I something I wish he had done from the very beginning, before even that second scandal had broke during the campaign, was when he goes to what's it called uh, that that small city where he's not doing well. Yeah, um, I forget uh, what I'm location. It is. Oh, something island. Yeah, C- C- uh, something like City Island. City Island, I think. Yeah. Um, and a guy confronts him and says, you know we don't trust you. <laughs> like, why should we trust you at this point mm-hmm. when you told us this was over? And he says, you know, what I did was wrong. And it was, I owe my wife better than this. But, if, you know, if you think this is the same as a criminal activity, that's fine. That can be your opinion. 
but I still think that I would be a good mayor and these people should have the right to hear my positions and be able to vote for me if they agree that this is, you know, a personal thing between me and my wife. And I think if he had just addressed it that way at the very beginning and said, like, yeah, I'm a shitty husband. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am a bad husband. And, you know, I apologize for that. But if you look at my history, I have always advocated for my constituents and made that his consistent platform message versus trying to, like, kind of work his way around. Well, he also... He lies excessively yes. <laughs> when it when both these scandals come out initially. He's like, oh, well, what did I say previously? Let me not contradict that. Yeah. There's and it a lot doesn't of, work. It's always the cover-up. It is always, like, people thinking you lied to them about well, what happened. I think part of that is the we're transitioning from a time period. I was looking at, you know, I'm looking at JFK, who led a scandalous oh life, yeah right but there was no we didn't have what we have now which is like basically you can't make a move without it being everywhere right and i also think it didn't help that huma was so closely tied to clinton who had you right. know, stood by her man and they loved media loved to make that parallel right well i was gonna say to disagree with you mom you don't get a great impression of why he does these things I mean, I might. I don't mean great impression. I just meant I didn't get any insight into the sexting part of his psyche. No, I didn't get an impression of that. But as things get worse for him, he gets increasingly, uh, I'm maybe overstating, abusive of his wife. Uh, she clearly is uncomfortable and upset. And there is a point where he's saying, we're going to go to this event now. And I'll see you there. Should I get the car to come around? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you can make that. I don't know that you can interpret what you see on the film yeah. as their actual relationship. No, maybe not. Because I feel like a powerful woman who works for Hillary Clinton yeah. as her right-hand person mm -hmm. is probably behind closed, is probably being discreet. Yes. For sure. On oh, camera. Oh, for sure. And Behind closed doors, which happens very seldom in the course of the movie, there's only like two or three times when they actually go somewhere and have a conversation. Right. I don't know that she's putting up with it. Yeah. I and mean, you see her at the end of that movie after this, after the more yeah. information comes out, she basically is unbudgeable. Yeah. It's like, we're separating. This is done now. Yeah. Right. She, she put up with it. Up to a point, probably for political reasons, not for love. Right. My guess. Uh, and then this happened and it was like, well, I've got a presidential campaign coming up, so I can't be with this guy anymore. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to be in the commercial. I'm not going to go to where he does, where he, when he goes to vote, he can take our child with him. But so I'm not awkward. going. Oh, yeah. And he says in the beginning of that, or in the middle of that scene, because she won't even be on camera. He has to go up to there condo alone without the camera crew and then comes back down with their child and she's standing outside the elevator and yeah. he's just you can hear his mic and he's saying you know i just wanted them to see us together and yeah. yeah it's real awkward Ugh. well i mean and regardless of the personalities i mean he destroyed his career and her career and hillary clinton's and career <laughs> and the country uh because of his bad actions and Although he couldn't have known where some of the consequences would lead, he would know where some of the consequences... Like, there's no way he didn't realize some of the stuff would destroy his career if it came well, out. and you have to wonder if he actually is the one who tweeted the original photo. Mm -hmm. If maybe there was some psychological... <laughs> Catch me. Yeah. Or, or he's really, really drunk. I mean, what, like, what any explanation is going to be, he's really, really dumb. He's 
completely yeah, drunk. Yeah, we know he's not dumb. You, right. You know he's not dumb. There's there's other stuff going Something on. Something went wrong. Yeah. Like addictive behavior, behavior, whatever. But the consequences for addictive behavior for him, it's, he's in jail and his wife's career is destroyed and some other people's lives are destroyed and the country's destroyed. No, it's it's a really like interesting exploration of the demise of their relationship. Yeah. And you can see how um, how much he sort of passive aggressively lashes out at her mm-hmm. because of his guilt in the relationship, you know, because she's not really giving him anything to be angry about, but she's not being 100% supportive of everything he wants. <laughs> right. And so and he wants 100% Yeah, at one point support. he was like, I can't remember what he said to her, but it was just really like sarcastic. And it was like, it comes across very biting yeah. and yeah. inappropriate. And in, yeah, you it, see yeah. little snippets of what their relationship must be like because it there's this one scene where they're in the kitchen reading off a spaghetti box spaghetti mm-hmm. oh, that was label. so cute right it was really cute they seem to be enjoying each other the beginning company. of the movie How, however no it was way it's late in the, the middle movie. it's it in the yeah middle? yeah it's when they're doing well though so but yeah they're still there's yeah, a couple weird things scandal. about the scene though i don't remember if their child is in the scene i don't think one so thing, i think it's in the it, it. <laughs> i think he's in the living room yeah no they're both in the kitchen but they're at opposite ends no of no this. The, uh, the, the child, child is, is oh, like no, elsewhere right. in the apartment but in this scene where they're reading the spaghetti label which is which they are it's obviously they are fighting over which, which one is better <laughs> yeah uh, and he's winning uh he's at one complete end of the kitchen and she is at the total opposite mm-hmm. end of the kitchen and i can't remember what he's wearing it's like something super casual she is dressed as to usual. The yeah, she's completely. Always dressed up. There's a scene in the movie where she says, "Do I look camera ready?" Because she's eating some pizza, <laughs> and she looks camera ready. Yes. <laughs> she definitely looks camera ready. Yeah, she's beautiful. Just put the pizza down and get on camera. Yeah. You're fine. I think the most telling scene for me between the two of them is after things have gone south, and Anthony Weiner has that interview where he's yelling at the. NBC, MSNBC, MSNBC, yeah, Lawrence, oh, yeah. Lawrence, uh, and afterwards he is rewatching himself on YouTube, and he's like, "Huma, so come watch, look how, look at how I take this guy down." And she's like, "This is bad. You're she's doing horrified. a horrified. This is really bad." And he's like, "No, it's not. Come, you should watch it." I'm she's like, doing, "Do you want to see I've the online like?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'm done watching." He's like, "No, wait, one more thing." And he's laughing. Yeah. And no, she's like, like, why are like, you laughing? He's like, which of us looks better? And she's like, "No, this is neither of you. You both look like children." Like that's that's the most chilling part of that relationship where he like he can't tell what's going on or he doesn't care but she's consistently in those moments got a smile plastered on her face and there's that one scene where she's in the kitchen and it's just her and the camera crew and they ask her sort of how she's doing and she's just like big grin says you know it's like living a nightmare Mm -hmm. and it's such like a contrast between her demeanor and what she's actually saying and that's such like a metaphor for <laughs> their entire relationship. There were some really creepy scenes for me in this. In this, yeah, let's film. talk about our favorite scenes because I got not, a lot. They I weren't talk really about. about. They weren't as much about anybody in the movie specifically as about how all of this stuff that we see actually works. Mm-hmm. So that scene where he's, uh, where he's on the talk show or whatever that. You know, yeah. He's talking to whatever that talking head is, and they're not in the same location. So basically, he's sitting at a desk all by himself with a purple screen behind him, mm-hmm. talking to nothing. Just yelling. And then you sometimes will see the split screen, and you see who he's talking to, and then you sometimes see the other guy, and it's like, and, and they shoot it from the side. They shoot it from a whole bunch of different angles. So sometimes you see what's actually happening, and sometimes you see what the audience who was viewing right. that 
was seeing. And the interview, the guy is saying, Lawrence like, O'Donnell. Lawrence O'Donnell is basically saying, like, how dare you, no, sir? No, he says, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> What's yeah. wrong what with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Which is a very oh, like, awkward conversation. Yeah, yeah, neither of them were in a good position. They both in look that terrible. Yeah. yeah. So there's that one, and then there's the one where they're filming the commercial. In yeah, his, I in his house, scene. I believe. Yeah. No, I don't think that was... I think it, was, it might have his mom's house. All right. It was in somebody's house. Oh, yeah, I think so. Because their house is like an apartment That lovely condo, yeah. yeah. And so you see them filming it. Also, it's it's at that point in where Huma refuses to be in the commercial. Yeah, things are really things low are now. Things falling apart. But he's trying to film this commercial. A commercial like you will see... I'm Anthony Weiner, and I'm here to say that... Right. <laughs> um, but you see, you see them filming it. You see uh, scenes where he's just making jokes. He's just cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sort of doing, you know, sort of saying, I'm Anthony Weiner and, you know, ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And then they film the commercial. And then you see a snip of the commercial, like what you would see on TV. And everything is so... Glossy. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you, you know... And every, shiny. Yeah. It's so produced. And it's like, ugh. But I don't Yuck. like that. Right. <laughs> no. I, like the outtakes where he's sort of just joking around. He's like, like chicken, one in every pot. You know? It's right. like so funny. And if you just made a campaign commercial with that guy and just making those like candid jokes, yeah. that's endearing. That's I, who I want to vote for. I think that might also be something we've gone over the whole... We've gone over this hump from... You know, in the beginning, everything was very stilted in the, you know, in the 50s when they first started showing yeah. things on television. Everything was scripted and they didn't have good sound and they had these huge cameras. And now we're at a point where politicians still make the same kind of commercials mm-hmm. that they were making, say, in the, I don't know, I'm going to say 80s when sure. they had progressed to some extent with the technology, but not to where we are now. But people really want to just see people being people Authentic. now. Right. I wonder if that's like... A couple weeks ago, you could see Don Blankenship's <laughs> crazy mm. uh, campaign ad. Too authentic. <laughs> Too authentic. But there were people who were responding to mm-hmm. that. Because yeah, there was he that was interview like, that some guy gave, and he's like, you know, I at least want the authentic crook. <laughs> yeah, like it's a crazy, crazy video, but you also get the impression of this crazy person behind it. And pe- some people did respond to that going like, yeah, I want it. Somebody's honest. Uh, and about yeah. about no. being a crook. <laughs> I don't want yeah. somebody who is terrible and honest. I don't right. care how honest they are. <laughs> if they're telling me, hey, guess what? I'm going to take all the money out of your wallet <laughs> and put it in my wallet <laughs> and put it in my friend's Hooray! wallet. Yeah. And I'm like, well, thanks for being truthful. I think I'll vote for you. Yeah, I, but maybe that is some of that. Can we talk about our favorite scenes in this movie? There's a couple ones I want to I think you want to, on. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe my favorite scene, although it is both chilling and hilarious, is when after, after the scandal breaks, he has, Anthony has his sit down with the heads of his campaign Mm. at his apartment and he's asking them, hey, how does everyone feel about what's going on? And none of them can actually tell him how they feel except one guy. Mm -hmm. And also Anthony Weiner basically fights them on everything they have to say. That was awkward because once again, Huma was like, I do not enjoy these optics and we are being filmed. And what if you right. guys just talk to each other? Right. Privately? Let's do this in a private and room. And Anthony snaps at her and he's like, what are you, the referee now? Like, right. He just tells her to get out of here. And he's got, there's the one, the one girl who's like, well, a lot of people have told me that what they would like is an apology. <laughs> and he's like, No. I'm not going to do that. What else do, you know, why should I apologize? I've already told them what I need to tell them. Yeah, it's very tiptoe. But like, um, we're a little, you know, hurt that you didn't tell us certain things that we feel like. And she says, it's not what you know. did, but it's what <laughs> it's you, you not did. It's when things us, happened. Yeah. And yeah. 
Although I did, I mean, the in that scene, I really respected the guy that actually did say. Yeah, where he's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This isn't what I signed on for. <laughs> you lied to me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But that is also the guy who, when the second scandal came out, was like, so are we just going to say that this is ridiculous and never happened? Yeah. And kind of wanted to reframe it as it's a yeah. lie. And everybody's like, we will not be going down that path. That is not our decision. But, but that was because that was what he told. He basically had just told them, no, we're not doing that. But that that scene to me is all the worst parts of politics kind of all at once where like he's got a huge staff. Absolutely none of them feel comfortable telling them how they feel. He can't listen to what they have to say. He can't listen to someone else saying you shouldn't have this conversation. Like he can't hear any of them and they don't want to talk to him. That's not politics. That's just that's people in power. Sure. That's how hierarchies work. (laughs) Even even the most beloved boss people have trouble Telling oh, the emperor sure. that he has no clothes, yeah. you know, unless like, he clearly that's just power dynamics. Unless he or she or they clearly establish that you can talk back to me and prove right. it through <laughs> without consequences, right? <laughs> and they have to prove it through their behavior, which he can't because he there are consequences. <laughs> right. He's already mad. Yeah, but I thought that that was very telling of that whole like relationship and his campaign and the system. I think that... they made a note in the well they made a note via a news clip (laughs) um saying that a lot of the people working on the campaign weren't necessarily proponents of him being a mayor they were interested in access to huma and Mm -hmm. like jump-starting their political careers so i think a lot of those people kind of didn't care about (laughs) him personally i kind of thought it was interesting how young his staff was oh yeah i was surprised they're all little babies but if you are a guy who's the underdog because of all the terrible things you did maybe babies are the people that you have access to yeah Uh, i like that and by babies probably 30 year olds oh i think some of them were 20s at least a lot of the volunteers were much younger than that i think yeah i volunteered for a campaign in my 20s and that was the right age for everybody else there there Um, were some very young people in the uh, older movie yeah yeah there was one girl who was like i I can't vote but i'm campaigning um i think that i one of the things that i noticed between the two movies in terms of campaigns was that Hubert Humphrey didn't appear to have a staff in that movie. No, hardly anybody. It's got like three guys who drive around with him. And even JFK didn't, there weren't like advisors around him at all times. There was a scene in his campaign office and it was definitely, it was a huge office with all these people yeah. volunteering to make phone calls and such. But you didn't see that for Humphrey. Right. Yeah, it I mean, did, he hardly had anybody. It was him. an interesting contrast, you know, in Wiener when there's the um, New York Gay Pride Parade that he's participating in. Yeah. And he is beloved by the crowd. Like he's, sure. he's hugging everyone. He's kissing babies. And he's having fun, too. There, yeah, there's this high, high energy surrounding his candidacy. And then there's this cut to mm-hmm. Bill, um, de Blasio. Bill de Blasio marching through, and it's just empty crowd. <laughs> Same parade. Yeah. <laughs> no one's cheering. Like five people on the staff holding a sign. Like, you know, whereas... Anthony Weiner has this huge float <laughs> that yeah. he's on. And, right. and that happened over and over again. They showed him. That's in, even after. They showed him in a ton of parades yeah. for all different things. Yeah. Swinging the flag around yep. and people saying, you just, you fight him. Yeah. yeah and it, it, but it reminded me of Hubert Humphrey sort of being in this like understated crowd and Kennedy mm-hmm. having this like big, big fanfare when he's received. People everywhere. Mm-hmm. I also have to give a shout out to that scene with where the staff guy comes up to him while he's that his kid with the playground scene. it's hilarious it's that guy's so dumb <laughs> if he said tiktok one more time i was gonna punch my tv <laughs> yeah he, he uh, his tiktok plan 
I've got a TikTok plan. Do you, you want to know the TikTok on this? And, and gleaners kept coders. like, no, I don't like, no, I'm fine. Here's what you need to yeah, do. Go this, tell people this. Uh, for the listeners, this happens at a point in the movie where the Sydney Leathers, Sydney Leathers is, oh, she's on Howard Stern. Right. It's just about to, it's just about primary time. They're going to have a party. She's. All of a sudden, everywhere. She's outside. When this happens, she's outside their headquarters oh, with no. signs. Well, no. First, she's giving the interview on Howard Stern saying yeah. that right. she is going to go and confront him. Because Howard sort of baits her into being like, He's like you, you should. know what would be interesting is to see the two of you talk. Right. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and then <laughs> she's showed up. Anthony. Anthony Weiner is at the playground with his son. <laughs> and some and his doofus staffer. on his staff runs <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, staffer runs over there with his slushie. <laughs> I have to talk to you. It requires your immediate attention. Uh, Pineapple I have... <laughs> is outside the campaign office. <laughs> and he also says her name yes. right after that. <laughs> uh, I've got the TikTok on the plan or whatever. my proposed plan or whatever. Which he never actually gives us. Which no. was really anticlimactic. He kept saying, I have the TikTok. I have the t- do you want to hear the TikTok? Because I've got a TikTok. Also, Anthony Weiner has a terrible plan for dealing with no, this that they don't it's do. it's really bad. He's like, oh, well, you guys should... Surround her. Surround her with, with signs, signs and, and yell at her. Uh, but instead... But also don't touch her. Yeah. Don't be abusive. <laughs> just drown her out. Uh, they don't do either of those things, I don't think. I think he just goes somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but then they follow that staff person as he's walking and interview him and they're like hey what's going on and he's like well pineapple sydney leathers oh i shouldn't have said that she's there and he keeps drinking he from his empty cup talk. and then he smokes a cigarette yeah yes yeah. he real. did not come off well in that uh, scene it was 100 like watching veep in real life yes <laughs> with yeah. just the incompetent staff that both of those scenes with his staff remind me of veep so much yeah of just like the like passionate kind of domineering candidate and just a bunch of people who can't talk to their boss mm-hmm. be, and aren't very smart. <laughs> yeah. It's really uncomfortable to watch, but I didn't think Sydney Leathers I want to say Stormy Leathers, by the way. I know. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> she was I, not sympathetic. And yeah, no. she did not come off as a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. She seemed quite opportunistic. Yeah. She seemed like she was just uh, taking her opportunity and running with it, regardless of the oh, consequences. For sure. Although, to be fair to not her not exactly, her, but, but just to, everyone in general. To everyone in general. <laughs> she's the only woman who appears. There are many women involved in this scandal. He says, oh, I don't know how many there were. I can't say for but sure. Honestly, to his credit, I think his reason for doing so is a fair reason, where he says, listen... It's not my place to drag these women into the spotlight. No, that's true. That I'm is I'm not very giving true. you their names. If they want to come forward and tell their stories, that is fine. But I'm not going to... There are many. I will admit there are many. <laughs> right. But I'm not going to give you their names. That's not I think fair. that's right. But and I think the reason... that's 100% the right thing to do. I think the reason Sydney Leathers ends up as the focal point is she's like, I'm going to go yank this guy's chain. Well, and also she's very interested in... Yeah, she's interested right. in the spotlight. In self-promotion. <laughs> but yes. there are... Lots of other people involved in this scandal. Right. But to be fair, and I hope and, this, uh, I hope well, this me, isn't a terrible thing to say. It might be. I don't think they're victims. No, no. Well, I don't think so. One of, let's be, well, let's also for, say, except for he the also goes to one. jail. Yes. <laughs> afterwards, right. because of underage child pornography, or for underage child pornography is the, whatever right. the name of the charge is. Like, at least one of the people that he is sexting with and getting photos from he's committing a crime right yeah my favorite thing is when she sort of 
delivers her like Fox News interview and is like, you know, don't meet your heroes because, right. you know, they'll always let you down. And it's like, you were trying to hit on a married man. What part of that was noble to you in the moment? Like, you can't now act angry at his character when that was exactly what you were doing. She didn't even seem angry when she was saying No, it, she though. seems proud. She, I mean, she even says that. She's like, I'm not sorry that this brought him down. Like, yeah. I know I'm responsible for this and I am mm. happy about it. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting thing where, like, the most outspoken woman here is opportunist, seems mm-hmm. opportunistic. There's a lot of other women, including one at least who's a minor, mm-hmm. who don't appear in this movie, I'm sure are not opportunistic. And there's no way to know exactly how horrible or great that relationship and scandal was. Just what we do know is that he went to jail for this. But it's it's really awkward because, um, you know, he's lost the race at this point. Right. And she is waiting outside wherever the campaign party is yeah. going to be. Or I guess, I don't know what you call it when you lose. And, Loser's party. <laughs> and you still gather. Um, and she's waiting outside that building to confront him on camera. There's media everywhere. Yeah. Because she has advertised that she is going to be poor there. Huma is there. And Huma is on the verge of tears and is like, I will not suffer the indignity of being right. confronted by this woman. And I think that's it. And and mm-hmm. she, at one point she's in the car to go, and then Anthony sort of has a moment of conscience and is like, you know what, you should just go home. You shouldn't come and be a part of this. And you know, this would be this is me projecting a little bit, but like if this scandal had not happened, and Anthony Weiner most likely would have become the mayor, it would have come out later. It would have come out later. It would have hit right during the middle of Me Too. He would have had to resign most likely and then he would have gone to jail most likely after that like there's no happy ending for there's him. no happy ending for him there's no way of avoiding this even ignoring the crime for a second like this would have destroyed his career regardless of how it played out he's lucky that it came out this way except that he also destroyed the country well he's not time. yeah <laughs> that's the other problem i mean well, accidentally but i think it's be, being an older person who, uh, I mean, I wasn't alive when Jack Kennedy was uh, elected, but I, I'm John old. Kennedy. Well, they Jack, is, Jack is Jack's his nickname. Oh, yeah. Um, Jack and Bobby. They, you know, he. I was born after he was elected, but it was in current enough history or, or fresh enough history mm-hmm. that, you know, all the things about him were still in the, in the ether. Yeah as I was growing up. And so I knew he was a womanizer and there was something with Marilyn Monroe and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they drank a lot or whatever. Sure. Um, and then throughout my life, the scandal part, the sex scandal part of politics has gone from, you know, rumors, but they actually are sort of to your advantage because I think those rumors about John F. Kennedy so cool. actually were yeah. probably ad- advantageous to him Made at him the time, mm-hmm. right? Well, and also masculine, right? So yeah. you're, we're talking about it's fresh out of the '50s where we want our men to be manly men, apparently. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I don't think it hurt him at all, but it also wasn't exposed. It was just rumors, so you could mm-hmm. even. Say, well, I don't know if that's really true. If you wanted to, but if it is, it's cool. Right. If you wanted to support him, you could say, I don't know if those rumors are true. And if you didn't want to, you could say, or and if and if you were, we do that now, right? No, but (laughs) now what we have is here are the photographs, right? And not only here are the photographs. I'm not just some private eye. The photographs are everywhere on everyone's computer at all times. We've gone forever, right? And we care differently. 
we actually well no, i don't well, know it's let's kind of a think weird about scale. that yeah. I think it depends on which party you're in i think democrats sex scandals ruin them and i think republicans shrug it off yeah we'll see how this but plays out it is very weird because they're the party of you know moral, moral values moral rectitude <laughs> yeah you know and it's it's a stark contrast between the consequences for candidates when these things come out you know i mean yeah you can't i mean you could look at an al franken who went honka honka on some lady's boob which isn't great we're not condoning i don't condone that don't do that be done um but that's completely different from having sex with children that you groomed outside of their mother's divorce yeah course Right. right that those are those are hugely different things one of them had to resign. The other one just keeps on going. Yeah. Yeah. He's well, kind of talking about And then running. there's the guy in the White House. You know, oh, yeah. who's, and that guy. Yeah. Who is embroiled in even, a months long Who scandal. briefly uh, appears long, in, decades who briefly long appears sex in the movie Wiener, by yeah. the way. And that was awful. Who, who says, we don't need a pervert <laughs> <laughs> running New York. So oh, God. Well, he, sh- he should be glad he did. Because guess what? It paid off for you in the end, uh, dude. Yes. So but, one of the things that I really liked about this movie, though, which that scene was part of, was and it reminded me of Unfriended. So in uh, the horror season, movie, yeah, yes. in ah. season one we watched Unfriended, which that. takes place entirely on screens, yeah. either computer screen or mm-hmm. telephone, in a or sort whatever. of Skype call. Yeah. yeah, this movie used some of those techniques. There's a scene in this movie where it's just a, a just a close up of an iPhone with people texting each other and you just see the texts going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene with that showed Trump, it was basically the top of the screen was them filming Anthony Weiner doing something and then scrolling across the bottom is a bunch of different talking heads, talking heads from <laughs> yeah. TV saying how they feel about Anthony Weiner, one of whom was Donald Trump yelling, we don't need a pervert, right. which is great. <laughs> yeah. And actually that phone scene and... Uh, maybe I misunderstood it, but that only just made me angry because I think they did it wrong. It was clearly a reenactment of the iMessages that were going back and forth between him and one of the women. And he calls her Lisa in the conversation. And I'm assuming the messages are coming from his end because he's on the right side of the screen for his messages. Mm. And that's how all text messages <laughs> yeah. work, right? Yours are on the right yeah. and the ones you're receiving are on the left. But at the top of the message where it says the name of the person you're contacting, it says Anthony. It didn't have her name. Uh, and that really, really yeah, bugged that me. Seem right. <laughs> I was like, no, that should say Lisa. So I don't know what's going on there, but they need me as their editor. For the listener, if you're not familiar with how this plays out, so the movie ends with Anthony Weiner losing or going to lose. Does it show? No, he loses. He loses. Yeah. In real life. So this movie came out in mid 2016. Uh, they also, after he loses, they show some scenes. He actually does sort of regroup a little bit. and He, he starts, tries to be a pundit. Yeah, he becomes a pundit. You saw in various shows giving his opinion. There's one with uh, uh, John Waters. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, on Bill Maher. But, I mean, it's funny because of the time dilation effects of this modern world we're in <laughs> where this movie felt like it was from a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out in mid-2016. With It must have been within a few months. Uh he Anthony Weiner was indicted for possess, transferring fo- sexual photographs of a minor, whatever the exact charge was. Uh, as a result, the FBI opened an investigation into him. They seized his laptops to find evidence. They seized Huma Abedin's laptops 
because he had used them to send emails. And in this investigation, James Comey, who was the director of the FBI at the time, found emails relating to Hillary Clinton's campaign on the laptop, which led to him writing a letter that was released a week before the election about how they were reopening the investigation to Hillary Clinton's email scandal. Uh, and then some months after that, but before the end of the year, he was sentenced to 21 months in federal prison, which as of November, he went into prison. So that is what happened to Anthony Weiner after this movie ends. But that's still like, that's like a five month window, which is the crazy part, because this movie came out in 2016 yeah. and he was in jail by November of 2016. So there's not a lot of time for all this to happen. But that is the end result of all of this. Uh, he was the catalyst for the email scandal that led to James Comey being fired and him Everything writing that a we book. Are experiencing and, today. Yeah, all of this stuff. We're all spiraling. <laughs> yeah. We're all spiraling. We're all Huma Abedin right now for the moment. But yeah, that is the that is the outcome of this if the you're not familiar on the ins and outs of Anthony It's interesting life. because she must not have any personal political aspirations at all because if she had run for mayor, I bet she would have Oh, Crushed she it. does. She was going to be chief of staff for Hillary Clinton if she well, wanted. Well, but I mean, I mean, you know. being a, in a like actual representative of sure. someone versus like on a campaign staff. And she had been for many years Hillary Clinton's person. Personal, yeah. So, like, I think supporting her husband's campaigns was a secondary part of her political life almost like a rehab which is yeah. one of the things he says you know i think she says you know i think my wife would like it if, if I, I had a better reputation mayor. yeah yeah which is kind of his explanation for why he allowed such access mm -hmm. to him throughout this whole process all the way up to the point where there's all this scandal and everything falls apart is that you know he had already been the butt of jokes he tried mm -hmm. to he tried to recover from that Fall, fell apart again and he, but he wanted people to see that he was more than just this one thing yeah well and i i think they succeeded he, yeah i i think it yeah. sort of personalized him a lot and you know made you focus on why are sex scandals as salacious as they are why do they matter to people right why aren't they just well, a relationship issue let me have a sidebar for a second on this conversation, <laughs> which is a hypothesis I have about Anthony Weiner. Um, there was a scan at the beginning of this. He'd had a sexting scandal where some of this, where this photo came out, and he said, "Hey, I, you know, basically says, hey, I learned my lesson. That sucked. I'm bad, um, but I'll, I'll do better. I'm running for mayor." He knew that there were other people he had sexted with. And texted with and sent photos to that had never come forward. And he just rolled the dice on that. Do you think anyone else knew that there were other people that he did? You think Huma knew or was he just being like, they're not, they didn't come up, come forward before. So they're not going to come forward later. I don't know if he knew. I think he wasn't going to let it stop him because he had, he had told the press, oh yeah, there are going to be others. And I don't know if they're going to come forward. Like, you know, he he had been honest about that part, at least. Yeah. I think he probably didn't know the extent of when these things are going to happen. Because um, I... And, and, you know, one of the things that they make clear in the documentary is that the second big scandal that happens during the campaign, the woman he was talking to at that point 
um, he and Huma had discussed separating. You know, they weren't yeah. really in a functional relationship at that point. It wasn't like they had gotten back together and he had right. recommitted to her and then had transgressed again. This was an ongoing transgression because they weren't really together. But Although, that distinction wasn't mm-hmm. enough. If you were yeah. being cynical, you might assume that their statements about that are a strategy, right? That that might not actually have been the case. That they that the strategy for handling, oh, I did some more stuff after I resigned would be to say, well, we weren't really together then, so that, you know, that softens that the effect of that. I mean, part of the the question I have I was left with about Anthony Weiner is he says, oh, you know, I like he says at some point, like, I don't want to list anyone's names because mm-hmm. I don't want to out them, which makes sense. He says a lot of things. But he things. says a lot of things about like, I'm not sure or I couldn't quite tell the you the line. number. And in my head, I'm thinking, you could. You could just get your phone open, scroll up to the people you were sexting with and list num- count the number of names. Like he, I'm sure, knew who had not come forward and was still out there in the woods. Well, I think what's uncomfortable is that tells you how, that there are probably a lot. Yeah. Because if it were a handful, you could say like 10 or less. You know what I mean? You, right, you would like, know an hmm. estimate. Like this makes me feel like there were a lot that he probably reached out to and maybe they didn't respond. And like, I think if there were 10 or less. Do you categorize that as like a transgression? Does it not count if they didn't reach back? You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's probably making those calculations in his head. Right. But and that's the part that I, that I find potentially roughly yeah that's the troubling part is he says oh i'm not sure but i think if it were 10 or less he would know you could look on his he could he has that information he's one of the two people in these conversations but i think that's and he's making a calculated gamble of like well if they come forward it'll be early in the campaign or it won't derail me or i've taken care of this enough or they're just not going to because none of the people who come forward it's not a surprise the surprise is that they've come gone to the press but the existence of these people is not a surprise but that's the that's the important distinction is what is the actual issue for a candidate for a representative is it the transgressions in their relationship or is it them lying about it you know which matters more to people and which should matter more to people right and that's you know you think about the equation what if he wasn't married right then what would any of this mean then it would be laughed off you know by some but not by others no, the, I think the original, the, like, the, the tweet that came out, he probably could have been like, my Whoops. Baby. Yeah, but once you have that yeah. wife to, like, consider. <laughs> wife and yeah. child. Yeah. Right. Well, and the child was born she between was the two. At the time yeah. yeah. He resigned, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, I feel like at the end of this, he's a sociopath or has really severe addiction problems that he's not willing to Confront. I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes it. people are just assholes and we write it off to like, we, we want to make an excuse like, oh, there must be an addiction issue. Like some people are just assholes sometimes. One of the things, I mean, one of the things about what he specifically did, if you think about, I don't know if this is somewhat, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm, I'm <laughs> we'll sure tell bad, you, don't worry. In the, it's bad. The fact that he, he was, he removed it. He made this some, it was very compartmentalized Mm -hmm. in terms, you know, it didn't actually touch his life in any kind of tangible way. Right. That's one of the interesting things about it to me. Right. So he managed to cheat on his wife without ever touching or talking (laughs) to or, you know, whatever, to Mm -hmm. another person, which is really very 
intellectually <laughs> yeah uh, he had to really work this out yeah, i think that's a, that's a real kind of job and he kept doing it too yeah he found this outlet for something that he i suspect wasn't willing to admit to himself mm-hmm. definitely and then he made it he pushed it far away but not far enough but away. not very but actually not very far because right. what ended up happening was like oh yeah he tweeted out a photo of himself like the thing that took him out was not like oh somebody put together that this phone number he was using was him it was like no he just spiked the he shot himself right mm-hmm. in the foot and then later because of that shot himself in the foot again but that's that's why i think i this is not meant to be an excuse for his behavior but i think that there is like addictive properties to this because there are a lot of things he could have done that he could have gotten away with and the way that this played out completely destroyed his life and put him in jail mostly through like like incompetence and for somebody who's so smart and clever at points in his life the thing that took him out was like being really dumb which to me strikes me as more like a compulsion than right something oh he got caught like oh he got caught because the police rolled up where he was visiting a prostitute (laughs) and it was a surprise this was like yeah he just did a he was just dumb like he, the thing he did destroyed his life he has impulse control yeah issues. he's got some really and, severe and ones sometimes those are good and appear in a passionate you know advocate right. way and then sometimes they don't <laughs> what a fascinating movie yeah. about a horrible guy yeah and i it was a good movie not just because of the subject matter but because of how it was put together yeah, yeah. absolutely really well told yeah mm-hmm and Without feeling manipulative, you know, I didn't feel like no. the the people making the movie had an agenda and were trying to sell me on a perspective. It honestly, what it most reminds me of is the Jinx, where oh, yeah. like it's a really good documentary because they kind of lay out what's going on, but he kind of, you know, he. Uh, I don't know the Jinx. It's on HBO. You should watch the Jinx. It's a documentary about Robert Durst, which probably led, I think, led to his conviction mm-hmm. uh, for murder. I believe, uh, but it follows a very a set of very bizarre circumstances around a murder related to a real estate mogul in New York, and they interview him repeatedly through this. And not to spoil it too much, if the final episode <laughs> he leaves his mic on when he goes to the bathroom and says, "Yeah, I killed all yeah. those people to himself in the mirror." <laughs> uh, but it is very similar. Where like, but the documentary they're not. It doesn't feel like they're pushing this story they show you what happened and then they interview this guy and say what do you think and he gives them all the ammunition and i feel like that's the same in wiener where like they do occasionally ask him questions like in that that thing about the, the fly, fly on the wall they're yeah. like hey how you feeling dude and he's like like a murderer <laughs> yeah like go to go to hell i'm like hey you, you know it's does anyone ever tell you it's hard to get a read on you how you're feeling and he's like there's a thing called a, you know, it gives a terrible analogy, but it's like, I've never heard of a type of fly that you can hear and talks all the time. Right, because he's referring to that t- a type of documentary, which is right. called the Fly on the Wall documentary, and he's being questioned by some guy probably sitting on the floor of his car with a camera right. who says, how are you feeling? Because he can't tell. Um, that's, that's, why, like I go to hell. that's why this film is not direct cinema, because right. in direct cinema, you the person taking the film would not interact with the person being filmed. And in this case, yeah. they do on a couple of occasions. It's mm-hmm. pretty limited, but they do actually a couple of times. Like they ask Huma how she's feeling in that one scene, and they ask him a couple of times certain things. And towards the end of the movie, I think, or maybe throughout, they interview him after the fact, and they intersplice that into 
yeah the movie where he's talking about it's the it's the point where he answers well why did you let us do this mm-hmm. why did you let us film this and he says well because i kind of wanted to be a full human being and not just a punchline right and he clearly regrets it <laughs> right so that's what separates this from direct cinema that's one of the things yeah um well, you should watch The Jinx. What a good show. Yeah, I mean, one of the awkward things about The Jinx is that who current Judge Janine Miro was one of the prosecutors yep. on it. So it's sort of awkward to watch her like be on the good side of things, knowing how well, she is now, stalking about, Hillary Clinton in the woods. It's also all about New York City real estate moguls <laughs> and their business in New their York. Their penchant for crimes. Which is wild, but unrelated, semi-related. You guys want to talk about... Well, I had one other thing I wanted to say about uh, Wiener. Yeah. One of the things, he kind of walks this line. He never did that thing where he got defensive and said, I mean, from my, maybe I missed it, but there were multiple times when he literally just said, I'm the bad guy. I did the bad thing. Nobody else is to blame but me. Right. For the things that I did. And this is the thing that politicians don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem to save him, unfortunately. It saved him the first time. It only works once, I think, for him. I mean, that's... Yeah. I don't know. I think if I was a voter in New York, I would have been pissed off the second time around because he well, and we destroyed didn't, his career. We also didn't see any of the other candidates other than Bill de Blasio not being very right. popular at a parade. Well, and that was the other thing, is up until this second scandal, whenever he had been in a candidate forum... And one of the other candidates yeah. tried to attack his, you know, personal character. The audience turned on them. Yeah. Like, it was not a successful strategy. Right. And yet they all kept doing it. It was really weird. Like, none of you have a campaign manager that might tell you to pivot at this yeah, point like, to, like, your off. platform. Yeah, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and now there's a new mayor running, which I'm very excited about. Cynthia Nixon. No, for governor. Oh. Or for, for governor. governor, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be interesting to see what happens to that. All right, I think we, yeah. we did it. Yeah, I was going to say, any, trying to think of pri- primary news, or primaries out there in the news right now. I mean, there's Don Blankenship, but he he lost, thankfully. Uh, we'll see what happens in that, in the general election for them. Yeah, and I hear there's a lot of stuff going on in California where we have too many Democratic candidates. Yeah. Surprise. That's, that's one uh this is not a well i don't think this is a primary conversation but uh not to be morbid but there's a lot of uh, hope that john mccain dies before the end of may that is morbid we'll see what happens we'll see where that goes i'm not gonna put myself in that camp although on a practical level that would make things a lot better for me in my life Uh, yeah there's a lot going around about that and yeah the both sides sort of yeah, the disrespect are, towards his things life. gotten very dark for John McCain <laughs> yeah. and his life right now. Uh, if he is no longer a senator by the end of May, then there will be a runoff. There will be an election for a replacement. Mm-hmm. If it rolls over to June, they will appoint a Republican to replace him until the next election. And if the Senate is very close in terms of numbers right mm-hmm. now, which makes this all very crazy and sad for John McCain. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a real like mixed bag. Right. There's a lot of feelings them. going around right now. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know, and if this were any other year, that would be a that would be the worst thing to talk about John McCain, but thankfully the Republicans in the White House have have stolen <laughs> the football on that one. Because yep. now the conversation is not people hoping that he dies before the end of May, but whether or not the White House is glad or whatever there Deal well, is. he's he's but been vocal about like, not wanting Trump to come to his funeral, and he doesn't yes. want uh, Haskell. Is that her name? What is the Hassel? Gina Hassel. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's outspoken about not. He's not going to support her. Yeah. For whatever reason, he doesn't like torture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, she's nominated for CIA yeah. director, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're gonna have to have a. Vote. On the other hand, I mean, she's at least a, one of his nominees that has experience in the field. <laughs> yeah, that she's not. but, but, I'm, but I am shaking my head so hard about this. No, <laughs> she's, she's the honest crook. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, better her than Sean Hannity. Is it though? Uh, I don't know. I think no. he, at least he's incompetent. <laughs> like, yeah, I might prefer incompetence over over, over villainy. Someone, yeah, over outright villainy, especially uh, because in the hearings they've had so far, they have questioned her about the torture and she was like she she said she wouldn't support it but she also wouldn't say that she's against it right well she's clearly not against it I mean, that's not past has that's not that. adequate <laughs> yeah uh, you said something about both sides now which reminded me of a creepy scene from the beginning of the crisis movie mm. with george wallace basically saying what the president said about He's basically saying there's good people on both sides, Great. almost literally those words. And <laughs> yeah. it made me think, is that just a thing? Yeah. Is yeah. that like a phrase they that's ingrained in white supremacists <laughs> that yeah. you just say it's separate yeah, it's but equal? False equivalency people. is a huge strategy. That's, yeah. You know, that was, that I should was clarify what I meant by that. What I meant was um, a lot of conservatives are attacking McCain because he has said, I don't want Trump to go to my funeral. And they've been real brutal about the things they've said about him. Like that he... Why not? You know, like that he broke down and like gave gave secrets secrets, when he was tortured, which isn't true. And and then what I meant by the other side is, but then my issue with McCain (laughs) is that he likes to pretend he's a maverick. And then when it comes down to actually voting (laughs) for the things that he says he stands for, does not and would continue to vote the party line. So that's what I meant by both sides. Like, I don't agree with him being attacked for what he's being attacked for, but he's not a great guy yeah. politically. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say John McCain, not a great guy. I mean, guy, he has both sides. He has two sides. Has has suffered horribly yeah. on behalf of his country. Like, there are valid criticisms of, criticisms of him, and the ones that are coming out of the White House and that party are not valid. Yeah, there it is. Yep. And also, uh, there's uh, one candidate who's already campaigning for his next election. Is so. that Donald Trump? Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, there. I guess that's that's another Ugh. point. He has rallies regularly for his next campaign. He doesn't always talk about it, but, you know. <laughs> that's that true. Is, that is the... Yep, ex- he had a rally, and I didn't even know it happened until I saw it in the news. And it's like, why? But that's the... Because the, that's where he's comfortable. Well, there's... Also, he makes money that way. Yeah. They raise... That's the only way he's allowed to raise money, is for his next campaign so there it is all right yeah but that's all the, <laughs> that's the election news there's a lot of democratic hopefuls kind of rolling around there mm-hmm. but nothing, nothing i mean the the newest kennedy is his name has been batted around a lot yeah he, yeah i'm not that's entirely right. sure how i feel about him he has some, have some problematic yeah. stances but it's we we are not of a sing we don't ha- we're not of a mind 
You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> we don't have to be yet, though, to be fair. Yeah. Right, but we do need to have people emerging that we can start thinking about. Yeah. Like, uh, during watching, uh, I don't know if it was Wiener or Primary, I was thinking, what about Cory Booker? I mean, I haven't seen anything I don't like. <laughs> There's some stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that. Uh, Which is that's fine. My biggest yeah. issue. That is my like issue with Democrats <laughs> is that we have a tendency to completely write someone off if they are not 100% <laughs> perfect yeah. as opposed to being like okay but like 90% of what they say is what I agree with and it's definitely more than the other guy right. so yeah maybe I'm just gonna go with it I'll take <laughs> any criticisms all the way up to the day of the election and then everybody <laughs> has to go vote for whoever it is right. I mean I, nobody's fighting for my vote I'm not gonna vote for Donald Trump ever right. i didn't vote for him before and it turns my stomach that people did right so if he's their if he's the republican candidate well then nobody has to fight for my vote because i'm voting whoever against it him. is <laughs> yeah and i hope that i can vote for whoever it is who inspires positively. you <laughs> right i want to yeah. see i'd like to be inspired but i'm okay with just being <laughs> motivated out of fear unfortunately yeah, but the problem is we need to get other people motivated yes. who aren't like me yeah right yeah. uh i think kirsten Gillibrand has some cool ideas right now i mean it's still too early who knows what'll who actually will run but she's yeah, promoted she's some great. stuff i think's cool she she and kamal harris are great yeah and normally i have issues with um us giving up people who are very vocal in the senate and pushing things that i enjoy <laughs> because of how close the senate is and yeah needing that voice but when they're from safe democratic states, then I'm like, okay. <laughs> then yeah. like, I'm for whoever your replacement is. I, I just wish I didn't, I don't get a lot of passion off of them is my only thing. I mean, I Kamala would... Harris, if you watch some of her stuff, she's she's pretty good. Mm. Haven't you seen Huffington Post? She rolls her eyes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see that that speech that Anthony Weiner is giving at the beginning of that yeah. movie. Yeah. That's what that I guy. want. That, yeah, that rules. It really does. It's, it's a great speech. It's for shame. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it when they shame. They should. <laughs> More of that, please. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's fair. It's fair to want to be inspired. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that should overshadow practicality. And, you know, if you actually are an advocate for certain communities, you have to also be realistic about what will happen if the antithesis of what you want happens. <laughs> like, you have yeah. to take all of that into consideration because it, it affects more than just you. I would just like... And again, whoever ends up as the candidate, I'm going to vote for with a big smile on my face. <laughs> it's not a criticism well, whoever that not is. Ne- you won't be smiling necessarily. You might vote with a frown on your face. I will hold myself to that being you a smile a, on my face. You can have a Huma Abedin smile on your face. Because of the, the comparison, yeah. Uh, I think in today's modern climate with Trump as the president, I'm not concerned about practical. It is clear that what was considered practical a couple years ago doesn't even matter anymore we're the having norms of politics are out the window even even putting like the decorum stuff aside like we're having conversations about whether to big a, build a giant transparent wall along the southern border if that's the type of well, arguments we're having <laughs> if that's where we're at i'm happy to have conversations about like free health care and yeah guaranteed jobs and universal basic date. income because like those are no less practical than anything else on the table that we're actually having people vote for right now <laughs> right and that our president is yelling at his staff about and because it's not happening and some money has already been put aside for these projects i'm willing to have the crazy thing that's not going to happen be stuff i like as opposed to stuff i don't like and worry about the practical considerations later yeah 
at this in the world right. we live in now. And really, the presidential election is not what we should be focused on no. right no. now. Anyway, we just need to focus on something that's going to happen a few months from now. <laughs> that, yeah. Spoiler alert, that was going to be my plug because I knew that this, <laughs> this was going to be released <laughs> a few How months about, from now. Everybody my vote plug for was going to be vote in the midterms. <laughs> everyone vote for Democrats. And if you have choices, vote for Democrats who have policy positions vote you like. Vote for Democrats locally. Vote for Democrats nationally. Yeah. Like, vote in the midterms. Go to it every election. hugely important. Yes. Democrats have a bad record of turning out yeah. during the midterm season and we need to fix that because it has such long lasting implications for what legislation can be practically passed yeah let's let's uh, yeah get and you know we just we need more victories <laughs> like uh i don't want to be under this oppressive weight of horribleness <laughs> And forever can, forever and it if just can, feels surreal all the time yeah yeah and if we could just get some more people in Congress and the Senate who could oppose this awful man. I, he's yeah. just awful. And <laughs> elections make a big difference. I mean, particularly with things like net neutrality being wiped out and then so many states responding to that by <laughs> like, passing their ha-ha. own net right. neutrality. Like, you have to get participating in your local elections as well. Like, it is important to vote for Democrats locally because yeah. they can at least combat some of the national issues. Stem the tide. Yeah. Yes. Support progressive candidates in your area. Make sure you go to every election and vote for everybody cool. Bring a friend. If you're not registered, please register and then go and vote. And Washington's making it easy. If you're willing to do that, then I'm willing to hear any criticisms of any of those candidates as long as you still vote Mm -hmm. for the the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless of whether that goodness is less high, like (laughs) 5 out of 10 instead of 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we we move on to official plugs? (laughs) Yeah. Nicole, you have any official plugs? Um, Well, other than vote in the midterms, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Was recently canceled and then resurrected Yay, on NBC. Sort of. And it is a great show with a um, super diverse cast that yeah. doesn't make it an issue that they're diverse. <laughs> it just is and is hilarious. And so please watch it <laughs> now that it's been picked up by a new station. Um, and then also, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I just saw a preview for a new Robin Hood movie that's coming out in November. And it looks amazing who's robin hood um it is oh, i'm gonna blank on his name um taron edgerton from the kingsman oh the, the british kid? guy yeah the, the little kid, kid? yeah <laughs> and, um, eggs somebody eggs. else famous was in it uh, jamie dornan is in it um he plays will scarlet robin hood's brother and anyway it looks really really like an i mean actual, he's no carrie ulius like we really don't have a good history with robin hood movies, no so, other than the very first one so the cartoon with the fox which oh, is mm-hmm. the greatest that's one. the good Flynn. one <laughs> i meant errol flynn because oh, okay. uh, i always think of the fox in yeah, fact if you right. google robin hood the first like image search that comes up is the fox that's the good <laughs> and one. that's appropriate <laughs> but anyway so that looks like a good movie so hopefully come november i'm not wrong yeah <laughs> we'll come back out. and check in on nicole when i months from now when I was an adolescent, there was a one season of a TV show that I loved. And it was probably, I'm guessing it was, um, uh, I can see his face in my mind, but I can't. It was one of those kind of comedies like Airplane or, mm. um, what's mm-hmm. his face? Uh, the guy that did The Producers. His name is... Oh, Mel me. Brooks? It's, yeah, Mel Brooksian, sure. Airplanian sort of... <laughs> what was the show? It was called When Things Were Rotten. Hmm. Oh. I loved it. And it was canceled <laughs> after a season. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Are we TV, plugging TV canceled TV shows? No, I'm just no, saying TV a, producers. It was a Robin Hood show. Oh, okay. It was about ah, Robin Hood. Okay. okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> There's a song, but I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Google it, everyone. Uh, I'll plug two podcasts. One I think I plugged last time, uh, Opening Arguments, which mm-hmm. is a legal podcast where it's an attorney and a non-attorney. They cover the sort of legal news of the day. It's really great when it overlaps with sort of the current news news. Um, they do Obviously, there's been a lot of legal stuff going on about Michael Cohen and the president and all that nonsense, and they give a better, more recent perspective on it, which is always fun. You get a much clearer sense. I get a much clearer sense of, like, what is actually the issue here? Why mm-hmm. is this going on? Why is this part of the investigation? Um, but they also cover what Supreme Court decisions, like major Supreme Court and appeals court decisions, things that are changing. The most recent episode, um, there was a court of appeals case about private prisons mm. where the court of appeals certified that this could go forward as a class action, which mm. was a major change from the past 20 years where they said, no, you can't. Uh, so they're thinking, okay, well, the, you know, the, the hosts are basically saying this may open up not only this case for going forward against private prisons, but also has sort of expanded the ability for class actions in general, Hmm. which is really interesting. Um, And also I'll give a plug to a great show. Yo, is this racist? Yo, is this racist? Have you been listening to that? Uh, They just started their new season with a new co-host, Tawny Newsome. Tawny Newsome. I love, she's an improv comedy person who's on a lot of other podcasts. She's very funny. She's on Spontaneous Nation quite a bit. Yeah, a lot. Um, if you ever watched Billion, Bajillion Dollar Properties, she's on that show or was on that show when it was a show. Um, but she's very funny. The show's very funny. They talk a lot about race issues. The first episode had John Lovett from Love It or Leave It. First as episode guest. of the new season. Yeah. Um, and they talk about, they also talk about the news, race issues in the news, and then they take phone calls, recorded phone calls from people who have questions about whether something's racist or not. Mostly white people. Yeah, mostly, but not always. Not always. Uh, it's really funny. It's really interesting. You'll learn a lot, and it's a good show. They're good hosts. So I plug both those. Go listen to them. I agree with that. You always, this racist is a very good program. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. The hosts are great. Uh, the Hari Kondabolu brothers have a new show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that looks I great. can't remember what it's called, but uh, they have a new show uh, where they just talk to each other as oh. brothers. Hey, that uh, reminds me. Did you guys see that Hank Azaria spoke about yes, Apu? I did. I yeah. Did. And it makes sense, too, that it would take some time for him to sort of understand what the issue is. Yeah. I'll give him credit. I'll... Well, I don't know if that's... I mean, that's not credit. That's just like, it takes some time for you to be exposed to something that you don't... That wasn't... Probably wasn't on his radar that that was an issue until it was, until this started and eventually it well, sank in. he was invited it... to be in the documentary but and also, he did not. I think he was... He canceled on this. But I think it's a process. It's appropriate for... Yeah. I mean, he was like, I don't know what this documentary is really going to say. I don't know how it's going to be edited. I think his response now that he's seen it... It was a good answer. Yeah. That was the right is, answer. Is correct. It is the correct response. Oh, we should probably say <laughs> what the, <laughs> what the <laughs> documentary is. is. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with Apu? Apu. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, where they talk about how Apu from The Simpsons is a racist caricature that has negatively impacted uh, Southeast Asians. And they interview a lot of 
famous actors ones, saying yeah. like, yeah, I was bullied on this. People call about the this. Epu all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and did the voice. It's a great documentary. They tried to have Hank Azaria on. He scheduled an interview, but then canceled it. And then very recently. Respectfully. Yes. And yeah. then very recently he was on the Col- Stephen Colbert, The Late Show, mm-hmm. I think. And he gave the right answer, which mm-hmm. is like, yes, this is bad. We need to change. I don't need to do this voice anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for the another Simpsons actor to do it. The Simpsons did not handle it well. Right. No. Matt, Matt Groening, let's just say he's responsible for the Simpsons. He didn't. Yeah. He and Although I don't, I don't know if he's still part of the show anymore. All right. Then but the whoever writers, it is. Yeah. Whoever <laughs> the runs writers that writers show. did not anymore. handle the situation well. No, they horrible. basically responded like, this is stupid. Oh, I don't PC want to do it. PC culture defensive. Run amok. Yeah. yeah, with a very stupid metaphor that doesn't make any and sense. And also coming out of the mouth of Lisa Simpson, which is the last character that should have had that position. Yep, it's real bad. That was not good. But Hank Azaria at least got himself out of this mess by saying, like, they should have more writers of color in the writing room, and mm-hmm. also I don't need to do this voice anymore, and somebody else should do it, or we should get rid of the character. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens with the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of, I think he's kind of stuck his... Uh, Stuck his post in the ground for that one. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard for them to follow that. So while I was in Las Vegas recently, I didn't play even one Simpsons slot machine for, as a result of this. <laughs> really? Was this the one? Yeah. Did you play the Willy Wonka slot machine? I played the Willy Wonka That's slot a good machine one. quite a bit. But not the, the What about Simpsons The Walking movie? Dead? That was also a good one. I played it a little. It's weird. That's so funny. <laughs> you have to pick which zomb- floating zombie head you want to get money out of or whatever. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Slot machines are bizarre. Slot machines are weird. It's so crazy. Yes. Um, but the Willy Wonka one is pretty delightful because it plays yeah. a lot of Willy... Uh, it's the old Is it? I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, yes. not, the, the, not the new problematic guy. No, it's the it's the older one, and there's you hear the music, and you see the faces, and there's lots of bubbles and oompa loompas. Yeah, they come out and sing and do a little dance. And I'm this... still traumatized by that boat canal tunnel yeah. <laughs> scene. It's pretty scary. Yeah. yeah, it is scary. It's not great. So I want to plug something, but I need someone to use their phone to look up the name of the host okay. of a show called. Well, he he's actually he's the star of a show, and he's the host of a show called Problem Areas, and uh, he. I think he probably was a comedy writer at some point. Problem. Wyatt's an act? Yes. Oh, Wyatt's an act. Yes, his new show on HBO. Yeah. I've been watching it. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. They do one segment per episode on policing, but the other episodes are typically a little bit lighter. Um, But I just kind of really like him. Yeah, Yeah. And I like uh, People of Earth, which is another show that I'm watching. Uh, It's season two now. It's mm-hmm. about uh, Looks really experiencers. Yeah, <laughs> right. You should watch the first episode. I, I think you will be hooked just by watching that okay. first episode. It's also got uh, what's her name? Never mind. I will never remember. <laughs> Can I do a double plug here? I just sorry. Now we're talking about stuff that's not related to what we're doing. Uh, I'm watching two shows on HBO. Uh, one is Barry. Oh, that's yeah. great. Bill oh yeah, Hader. we saw a couple of episodes of Barry. I I think it's great. It's very funny. It's extremely dark. Um, I do think it is a little bit, I don't know. It sucks that there is basically no people of color in that show across, and there's like 15 characters and there's like a black guy and a black lady who never have any lines. Anna Gasteyer is the name I was looking for. For, for what? <laughs> for people, people of Earth. Earth. She's, uh. SNL alum. Yeah. She's really good in it. Sorry. Gotcha. Go ahead. Yeah. So that is, uh, <laughs> that is a really great show that I think has a, a severe flaw that basically the detective is the only person of color in that show mm. with any sort of part to it. And then at the same time, I'm watching Westworld season two, which I'm not loving a very, Oh, don't spoil it. I'm a couple episodes behind. I'm not 
I'm not loving as much as the first season, but if you want to talk about a very diverse and extremely good cast, it's, I mean, most of the episodes are Jeffrey Wright and Tessa Thompson mm. hanging out. And I think I would watch just about any show or movie with the two of them doing stuff. They're great in everything. Luke Cage season two is coming out soon. Yeah, the trailer that. for it looks cool. Yeah. You see the trailer for that, Mom? I have not. You should. It looks awesome. But yeah, so those are my, my HBO. These two shows are great, one of which has a interesting diverse cast and one which has the widest possible cast mm-hmm. there you go all right you want to talk about the cocktail sure so well how did you like it first off i liked it yeah. a lot it was delicious yeah i think i would actually have it in a like yeah. i would have a bigger one, one because it was one. kind of refreshing well the Is reason arugula? i love arugula yes oh, i'm so excited the reason that i put it in i i put it i served it in a coupe because that is how people drank their drinks mm-hmm. like, in the 60s uh, that's how you'd get a daiquiri. It wouldn't be like a slushy. It would be a shaken drink served in a coupe like that. Okay. Um, so I wanted to make something that looked like a classic 60s cocktail. What's it called? I call it the Jack Danger. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the, the reason that I call it a Jack Danger. So uh, when I was doing research, you know, trying to figure out some kind of inspiration for a cocktail, mm-hmm. I discovered that there was a cocktail invented uh, that was named for... Anthony Weiner's sexting <laughs> avatar, I guess, Carlos sure. Danger, uh, which <laughs> which uh, is grapefruit and mezcal. And mezcal mm-hmm. has a very smoky flavor. I don't know if we talked about mezcal last time. I, we I might have talked about it. It was in the drink, it. but... Uh, it wasn't in the drink. Oh. We had tequila drink last time. Oh, you're time. right. We talked about mezcal uh, before we recorded. Yeah. Yeah. But I did a little research on mezcal for our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that... The thing that differentiates mezcal from tequila is the way that it's cooked also it can be a lot uh tequila has to be blue agave i believe mezcal can be any of a, of a number of different kinds of agaves mm-hmm. and it is cooked underground uh in a fire pit basically so it's very smoky has a very smoky flavor that's wild to me but yeah but tequila blue agave for tequila is cooked in ovens so it doesn't get any smoke anyway so mezcal is very smoky yeah. Uh, so some bartender had invented this drink and they decided to call it the Carlos <laughs> Danger. Because that name's hilarious. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Well, I mean, it was sure. hilarious. Yeah. It seems racist now. Before it had consequences. <laughs> yeah, it seems racist and sucks now. But um, So the other aspects of this cocktail are, I looked up, you know, what, does John, what was John F. Kennedy's favorite drink? What was uh, Jackie Kennedy's favorite drink? Uh, and they both like daiquiris, and I was reading some things about how John F. Kennedy liked Bloody Marys. So I initially started trying to make a Bloody Mary, but it turns out I don't like Bloody Marys. <laughs> I do not oh, like tomato juice. But they're so juice. good. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> but you don't, yeah, if you no. don't like tomato juice, Ugh, there's no way to like, get around I do not <laughs> like them. I tried. Um, so what I did instead was sort of combine the ingredients of a daiquiri, a Bloody Mary, and Carlos Danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has tomatoes, not tomato juice. I use I I muddled tomatoes. It's got mm-hmm. some lime juice in it. It's got some rum in it. It's got some mezcal in it. It's got celery bitters. Is that all? Oh, and then I made a simple syrup that is um has some has a specific salt that I like in it. Uh, it's called campfire salt. It's made oh. by um Beautiful Briny Sea, I believe is the name of the company. That it's is, on Etsy. Yeah. So I, one of their salts that I really like is uh, rainbow unicorn salt rainbow unicorn salt i know but, this about you <laughs> but they also make this smoky salt so i made a simple syrup with this smoky salt which also has some like 
Is that the salt you gave it. me, which is just like almost pitch black? It's just a little container of it. You gave Poss- me some. Possibly. It's good. I cook with it a lot. Yeah. It's so very it has, super it's, smoky. It's a smoked salt, and it also has some, what I you know, kind of like the flavors you would get from Mexican food in it as well. Yeah, I would say And then so. I also added some jalapeno, pickled jalapeno juice to the drink mm-hmm. to try to make it a little more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. And it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I think it was really refreshing. It's like very limey, but uh, savory, yeah, not yeah. sweet. Of the drinks I've made, I think it's probably one more borderline in terms of general acceptance because it's got flavors in it that are a little more, you have to like. I think you could sell this drink at a brunch bar and people <laughs> yeah. would drink it but i think you need but to you do want it a in a glass yeah a big glass of it like a it has a lot of alcohol it. in it though even that's it fine a small you, but glass, you can't tell but... it is very um, yeah. well balanced yeah it's it tastes like sort of a limey tomato juice and not that sweet but it's very good no it's got yeah it's got it's a little more complex i like a savory drink mm-hmm. and then uh, the garnish i thought we needed to have some wieners in there so <laughs> yeah there's some there's some uh I got some tiny franks from Iwajimaya, <laughs> and they're supposed to be a little bit spicy. And then there's a jalapeno slice in there, and and a cherry a tomato, pickle, a, you know, a pickle. Uh, cor- cor- <laughs> what is it, cabochon? No, what is the Gir- name of it? Gherkin. Gherkin. Gherkin or cornichon? Cornichon, not cabochon. Yes. Oh, and actually, yeah, you know what a cabochon is. Yes, that's right. That's a gemstone <laughs> sort of thing. Class. That's why it was in my brain. I need to look up. I, you know, I know the name of one of the movies that we're watching for our next episode, but I can't remember the oh, name yeah. of the other ones. So okay. I have to do some clicking. Nicole and I will make small talk. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's good. What else are you watching lately? Uh, so many things. Did I already tell you about Trust? No. The FX show with uh, Donald Sutherland. It's about the kidnapping of, of, of John Getty's. Yeah, is that good? Grandson. It's really well done. Brendan Fraser is in it, and he is oh, yeah. super good. Did you read that interview with Brendan Fraser yes, recently? That was, that was, I was like, oh, that's what happened to him. And yeah. And really bad. Yeah. About, what happened to him? He was um, assaulted. Yeah. He was like um, Terry, Cruz. Terry Cruz. His agent grabbed him inappropriately, yeah. and he kind of receded from public life for a while. Yeah. And uh, I think he was in an accident as well, right? Yeah, and so he's basically in the he interview. Went divorced and yeah, his. So he's had, he's a, had a few a rough years. Personal life, but yeah, he's a good. He's really good in it. Yeah, like, I mean, he's always he's honestly always been a good it's actor. Just, it's I a think. really well done production. Like it's really entertaining to watch the style mm-hmm. of the way it's filmed, and yeah. Um, I've been watching Wild Wild Country, Karen yeah, and I. That, that was is interesting. A... <laughs> wild show i've not quite we're two episodes from me have you watched that yet is it fictionalized no No, it's it's a documentary no i have not watched. you should watch it you would love it yeah you would um yeah and it's it's not that far from here which also makes it a little crazy antelope antelope organ uh one of the main guys is their attorney from the cult he lives in squim he lives in squim (laughs) which i always think is interesting yeah uh great show you should watch it it's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. It's really fast. It's the Duplass brothers, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Oh, well, that is interesting. <laughs> There's the producers on it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So watch it. Okay. So well, next time. So for next time, we are watching two movies about uh, confirming controversial candidates. Mm-hmm. One is called Advise and Consent, which is a pretty uh, well-known movie from the 60s with... Um, Oh, uh, you know, Jane Fonda's dad, Henry Fonda. Oh, sure. (laughs) 
And uh, the other one is called The Contender, uh, which... Joan Allen. I'm just yeah, looking over Joan Allen. Joan <laughs> Allen is The Contender uh, being confirmed. Okay. Have you seen either of these movies? Any I, ideas are good? I may have seen Advise and Consent at some okay. point in my lifetime. Because it's that kind of, you know, Oscar winning, older movie. Okay. Although we, Is this one the Oscar? Know... It won an Oscar? <laughs> You're saying Oscar winning? <laughs> my mom's okay. I'm, I was trying to look at what the year... It's 1962. I yeah. believe it is an Oscar winning movie. Oh. Um, it may be from a play. They did a lot of that. Okay. Back in the day. Sounds good. Um, what was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Advice and consent and the contender. Um, and we're gonna you're gonna try and release some more episodes so these are more current. Yes, I'm working on trying to get. I have two to release now, uh, but I have to edit them first. So I'm trying to get them out as quickly as possible so that we can, so that our yeah. there's less of a distance in time because the way that things work right now uh we don't know if we'll be around in a month from now <laughs> yeah who knows where we'll be yeah uh and soundcloud has managed yeah. to survive so that's yeah. good too all right well that sounds good thanks i don't know who if we'll have a guest next time but we'll try to we'll try i know uh karen will be a future guest okay oh, does back. she have a specific episode she hasn't she looked at the list she's gonna look through it i, I can give her some some uh suggestions because we've got some <laughs> things coming up in the and 70s and 80s that are I'm excited. Be really interesting. Yeah, it'll be good. But yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. They laugh. They love. They hunt. They drink. They jumped a lot of messes. They rob the rich. Get you the poor. Except what they get for expenses. So when other legends are forgotten, Rotten!